Welcome back to Unemployed with Anna. It's your girl, and um, I'd say I was like 30% employed today. We'll get into that afterwards, but I, I did a little bit of work, as the adults say. Um, but right now, I'm unemployed, and so is my guest, at least for the next hour. Uh, I'm so excited to have this person on. I mean, he is a film and TV producer. He is a professor. He is a cartographer of the media universe. We'll learn a little bit more about that. One of his huge hit shows is one of my favorites, Portlandia. And also he has a brand new podcast called Cancel Culture, where his daughter and her Gen Z friends write a joke for him about a topic that could potentially cancel him. Uh, That is, you know, so brave. We have Evan Shapiro on the show. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> my brain wanted to say Shapiro the whole time. I'm sorry. Everybody wants to say Shapiro because it's the way that most people pronounce it but mm-hmm. um, or pronounce it. Um, but people <laughs> from Philadelphia are fucked up and they pronounce it Shapiro. For okay, but I'm from Philadelphia. What does that I know. Say? I know that you haven't heard that. That made, Now this is my theory. Is that <laughs> now you're going to all my friends who all these years have been giving me shit. Howard Stern once gave me shit on his show, went back when it was on the real radio, not Sirius. <laughs> And and uh, not that Sirius isn't real radio. I love Sirius. Yeah, um, but <laughs> I pay for it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I pay for it too. Um, and, but uh, uh, he he once said, well, "Who told you to pronounce your name Shapiro?" And I said, "My father." He said, "Your father is a self-hating Jew." <laughs> Literally, I think more people have heard that piece of radio than anything I've ever done. All the other things I've done in my life combined. Wow. More people heard that. I got calls from across the country. That's really funny. Um, do you always correct people too? Is that I usually? I usually do. My my yeah. my wife does not, which okay. pisses me off. Um, but I, I traditionally do, especially if it, <laughs> and we've known each other long enough. Where you know you think you might have checked that out by now, but you know. You, so. I was like one hundred percent fine. I was like, no. You've never of had course. introduced me before, have you? No, I don't think right. so. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere we've been which is primarily on zoom mostly yeah uh, i'm usually doing the introducing so they already know me i've seen you introduce places but i guess i just didn't pay attention that well, they got it wrong and i didn't correct them because <laughs> it was in front of a room full of people yes um well thanks for doing this you said before you're you're very unemployed i'm like no you're not though like yes well, I, but so no. i work for myself i, I have sure. i have a series of part-time jobs that i do mm-hmm isn't it easier though to explain to like people not in our industry like I am unemployed? Like that that's why I started this. I'm like well, I don't think I they like need to the know the twenty things can, I did. I like the idea that you can be a percent unemployed in a day. Oh, like yes. today I, I think I was actually probably around fifteen percent unemployed for a you know, a Thursday. That's high. For okay. Me. Wow. That's that's a great number. I, what did I say? I was thirty percent employed. Employed, right? right, right. Well, because you went to the beach today. No, I'm, not today. Not today. I, I've been uh, home. Okay. I'm home. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You went to the beach this week. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I, I work a lot. I just do a very odd series of things in a row. Okay. So, you must you be know. very good though, because you've worked for yourself for a very long time, right? I mean, um, on and this off. last stint, uh, I've worked for myself for around five years. Um, but uh, prior to that, prior to working at Comcast and big corporate media, um, I worked for myself for another six years when I had my own business. Mm-hmm. So, so do you I'm enjoy it? 
Um, I'm I'm remembering how much I enjoy it. The, the the especially when you work in big when you work in a big corporation. Have you ever worked in a big corporation? Um, Have you ever had a job really. job like where you had to show up every day in a big corporation? Yes, I wouldn't say it was a big corporation, but I have had jobs where I had to show up every day. Right, but it's bit like I mean, like a massive billion-dollar corporation. No. Right, they become they become so big at some point they naturally turn into a Game of Thrones. Yeah, Ellen's worked in big corporations. Yeah, like, well, yeah, we actually recently. Yeah, so yeah, and, and they can't help themselves. They don't know how not to like. Oh, Netflix is a different kind of company. Yeah, how different mm-hmm. do they look these days? Right. Facebook is a different card. Oh, really? How they doing? And <laughs> and it's because you get to a certain size and a certain scale and a certain level of success. If you don't mm-hmm. get to the success, then it doesn't really happen. But you get to a point where you've you've made it, and that's the day everybody fails to realize that they've peaked. Yeah. And they need to start protecting for the downfall. Um, everybody thinks it's never going to happen to them. Everyone. And then Netflix, Meta, Roku. It happens to all of them. Oof. Yeah, it's a big week for for this conversation, actually. I yeah. love how he was like, have you worked for billion-dollar companies? And I was like, yes. Billion-dollar people who run yeah. <laughs> their own company. Well, and I booked their flights. But they kept it small, you know? So, But it did come to an end. I never thought that would happen on it, I their mean, terms. Do, on their terms. I've <laughs> yeah. had that happen a number of times. It was going to end for me on my terms, but it didn't. You know, didn't play out that way. That was the. You always want to be the one that leaves. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, all, all the time. Even if you're planning on leaving and someone lays you off or fires you, you're still you still better. want to be the one. Well, I was going to break up with you first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, uh, I've been fired. Uh, I've been fired twice that I can recall. Wow. Famously fired, like made the press fired. I think I know one, but. Yeah. Well, the CISO one. That was my guess. <laughs> Vulture wrote like a thousand, eleven thousand word article about it recently. Really? Yeah. No, like I didn't. Yeah. So, so have you, have you think about the, the? It was a cultural moment because everyone brings it up still. You know, That's like true. HQ. Everyone's like, remember CISO? Like it well, always HQ comes up. Lasted significantly longer than CISO though. Maybe, but, uh, you know, on TikTok, most people think it's, like, of the past. You know, right, they yeah, don't yeah. remember it. But CISO does come up a lot as well. Like, it's just one of those zeitgeist well, we, companies. I mean, we, because we worked with Dan Harmon and we worked with, you know, the Pythons and we worked with Kids in the Hall. Like, how could you not? And Saturday Night Live and we had Nathan Barley and, and Toast of the Town and all this great programming there. Like, most of the cast of uh, What We Do in Shadows was on some show on our, on our platform. Mm-hmm. And... We were the people who created the digital product that is now Monty Python's oeuvre. And so, you know, and we also made some really fun stuff like Shrink and, and, and um, uh, Take My Wife, which was kind of groundbreaking. And so I think people really dug the content at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Um, but originally, we were supposed to move the office off of Netflix. Mm. And that was going to be the platform. That Saturday Night Live, Jimmy Fallon, Seth... Um, Pythons and a couple of other things. And we were going to take bite the bullet as a company and move, which I said we had the right to. They said we didn't. And then they offered the company like $100 million more. And the you know day before we were about to make put that all in motion, they're like, hey, kid, sorry. I'm like, I am not a kid. And B, will you remember this <laughs> when it's wow. harder to do this? And they're like, sure, we will. And they're like, no, nah, fuck you. Hmm. So, you know, and then that the article is basically runs down every 
wart and fart I had at that company for wow. 11,000 words. You know, if you're going to have somebody write about you know, a failure of yours, it should it should be poetic and it, it did come out that way. <laughs> did they interview you for it or you just They interviewed me for 3 years they interviewed me and they kept telling me it was going to be published it was going to be published it was going to be published. They interviewed Dan Harmon, they interviewed Mm-hmm. Kula Milisak, they interviewed, I think Scott Aukerman's in there. Um, I think Tim Baltz is in there. All these great com- comic people. And, and you know, I had I had this thing, A, I, I thought it was never going to run, but then B, what if it runs and it's awful for me? <laughs> and so that was hanging over my head for like three years. It was a little, that was a little, that was a little nauseating. It was a three, you were there for three years? No, no, no. They started writing this thing in 20 after oh, I left. Oh, that's when the writing. How long did CISO exist, though? Uh, CISO existed for about, I think, a year, like a year and a half. I left okay. after a year, after it was launched for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were we had some really great stuff. Harmon Quest, um, Debate Wars, yeah, um, some really great stuff. It was like the but it was like, you know... The quibby of its time it was like the buzzword everyone knew and wanted to get to be a part of. Yeah, I like felt like had- our programming was 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 a step above what Quibi did, but you know, that's no <laughs> well, offense Quibi to anybody who worked at, at Quibi because they did, they had like eight months to do it. But um, yeah, whatever. also I I can't compare. I feel like content on Quibi was just it was designed for that time, so it's really hard to compare right. it to anything else. It was like true short bites. Is that the quick bites, right? Well, and, and look, <laughs> I mean, their game show, Chrissy's Court, and and uh, the punk show with uh, Chance Rapper, they're still uh, Roku's still making them. So kudos to that's them. good. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was really proud of the work we did there. We got to a really nice subscriber number in a year, but it was a really good example of how much I don't fit into corporate culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I really am not a good corporate animal. You're very creative. You think outside of the box. You have tons of projects and you're always like, and you're good at seeking out like talent and work. And I feel like it's hard to, to be under someone's roof. I also don't like arbitrary rules. Like, why do you account for the programming this way? Like, let's say you had a hundred million dollars to spend on programming for a second. Right. And they said to you, and when you spend a dollar, we're going to stretch that dollar out across 10 years. Right. Okay. That's how we do the accounting. So if you spend a dollar now, you're going to be paying 10 cents for 10 years. Even okay. if the cash goes out the door now. And then they'll change the, then one day they'll come to you and say, guess what? We're changing the whole thing. You're yeah. Like, why? They're like, cause. And you're like, why? You're like, they're like, cause. It's yeah. really important. Says who? Just cause. Go do those <laughs> things with the numbers and the people and make the death. One day they come to you and they're like, "Cut ten. Your division's doing great, but we need to cut ten percent of all the heads in the company." <sighs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's say, let's say you right now you're the drama department at Netflix. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things, most watched show on the face of the fucking earth, right? Yeah. We need you to cut your head count by ten percent. Why? Oh my Cause. god. Did we do a bad job? No, you did a great job. Yeah. Why do you top. need to cut jobs? Cause. And that's, that's corporate America. Things that happen, rungs and rungs and rungs and rungs above your head. Earnings, phone calls that like eight people in the company have to have like another dozen people once a quarter dictate the behavior of a, of a company and the futures of lives in a way that is just so sometimes so fucking arbitrary. Yeah. And then long-term decisions are made years ahead of time, like 
paying billions of dollars for the Olympics, which no longer rate that well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, affects, no one's watching live TV. Right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a really hard pill. As much as I love flying first class and the big paychecks and all of the think perks that come along with working at a company like that, I'm just not. I, I, I've never really been built that way. I lasted as long as I could. Yeah. And, uh, and I've been out on my own since then, since 2017. Wow. Cause people, I feel like at the level that have to make those cuts and those decisions, they don't, they don't see what's happening day to day. They don't, they're not on the newest, like they don't know what's new and trendy and hip and cool. And so they'll just make these cuts where you're losing really great people and, I don't know. It just feels, and then it'll affect, it'll trickle down into the work and the, you know, what you have the product, but it feels like, you know, I always felt like, Oh, well, we got to make cuts. Let's take these 10 names, whatever it is. Yeah. And to their, to their defense, what they'll say is the second you start to get into the specifics of the people who were firing, that's you've lost. You can't do it that way. Um, because it's, I mean, you, a manager at some point has to make a choice between one employee or the other. Mm-hmm. And what they'll tell you is if you're really honest with yourself about who's, you know, five out of five or one out of one, you'll, those decisions are a lot easier. <laughs> and then secondarily, um, I, you know, when I was running IFC, I, the company, I, I helped lead the, not the purchase itself, but after it was bought Sundance channel, I became the president of both IFC and Sundance Channel. And so I had to ingest Sundance Channel and I had to cut, I think, somewhere around 30 or 40% of the heads. Because. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the whole sucks. idea is you blend them together and the ad sales teams, you know, don't, you don't need twi- tw- twice as many. Right. You so just and need so one. forth. And this is why they, they do these things. And it was really, that was probably the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in business was fi- like, People, some of these people had been at the company a decade. Yeah. And um, I had, like, it's either, and I had to choose the top performing people. Um, a good friend of mine who I've had been friends with ever since tells me, you know, I, 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 I didn't, but I bought that company to buy him because he was working <laughs> there. Um, and I'm like, that's not how America works anymore. <laughs> but okay. Um, but it was, it was really, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I've been on the other end of it so many times that I'm like, one day, am I going to ever, am I going to ever fire someone? Like, am I going to be, <laughs> am I going to be good at it? <laughs> I'm going to have to, I, I hope one, I hope to, I hope that I get to a level where I have to, but I don't actually have to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, but I've well, what's, always what's been nice on the receiving is, <laughs> What's nice about, I, I pride myself on being able to convince somebody to quit before I have to fire them. I, mm. I have done that a couple of times in my life. And if you're out there somewhere, you, you'll remember that time in our lives together. Mm-hmm. And um, and they're like sitting there like, no, give it to me because I want that fucking severance. <laughs> well, no, but that's the thing is usually when they're at a certain level, once you get to a certain level, so if the direct reports that you have are, are problematic, you know, the, the packages are a little nicer, mm-hmm. frankly. And so, you know, even the two times I were fired, I was... I walked away and there were like 15 minutes after I was really gone. I was like, Oh, thank God. Cause like, like just windfalls. Yeah. 
And then, yeah. I, and then in, in one case, I went and got another job and was paid twice that year. So all paid taxes on every single fucking penny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, so sometimes you're just, you know, it's just not the right place. But I've also been the person where I've taken a couple, in both those instances, I took jobs and everybody on the way in said, this is not going to work out. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to be the one that makes this work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I should listen. So would you do it again if someone was like, Evan, we want you to come and you wouldn't. You just want to focus on your own projects and. Well, now I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, we, you and I do some stuff together. So now I get to be a creator and I, you know, the, the, the stuff, what's fascinating is the first time I was a, a consultant, the first time I had my own agency, um, the creative juices I got, I had just quit my directing career. Uh huh. I stopped being an artist to run this business. Right. And we had every show on Broadway as a client. Lion King hadn't launched yet, but we had them as a client. We launched Chicago. We were working on Rent. Mm-hmm. The first time it was on Broadway, we were working Ellen, on Rent. Ellen, this Bring- is why Evan and I bond. He's a Broadway Big person. Theater nerd. Huge, huge. Uh, he's on, he votes. He votes. Abba he's on Tony the fucking. Voter. Yes, I know. Wow. Uh, I know. It's like impressive. Theater and, royalty. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and um, so you were saying you had all your clients, I, and I cut so you I off. decided to get my creative juice by by learning how to run a business, which I learned, mm-hmm. and then also making the campaigns. We were a marketing agency, making the campaigns we made um, fun, creative stories, narrative, yeah, different. and that's how I've done marketing my whole life. And then I went into marketing for a big stretch of my career. Now, instead of having to find a creative outlet for it. Even the work I do for clients, you know, I'll do work for a a big corporation and um, I come in from the outside. I do my work. I do my create. They they hire me to be creative or be Mm -hmm. strategic or do the things that I do well. And then they don't ask me to do the things I don't do well. Right. Like deal with the lawyers and the accountants. Mm-hmm. You know, they go off and deal with their own business affairs team and they go off and deal with the internal, you know, financial reporting and they go off and deal with the bosses up the food chain. So, you know, and I get to go do my thing and I get to write and I get to produce a podcast and, and I get to live my life the way that I, you know, I, I, I make a lot of calls with walking my dog. Like, <laughs> And if I can, you know, the question is, if, if I can keep myself in the lifestyle I've been accustomed, no, I would never, ever, ever, ever go back and work for a big corporation again because it's just not as fun. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I'm glad that you learned that about yourself because I always say on this podcast, we've, you know, we've had people call in and stuff who've been at jobs that, you know, they're comfortable at in terms of, you know, what they're making and benefits and everything, but it's not fulfilling them at all. And like, that's a hard choice to, to make. And sometimes it's handed to you, like you're saying, and other, other times you're just, well, I, why would I leave this job? I have everything, you know, everything on paper, but you know, yeah, it's, the problem it's with stressful. The, the thing about the paper thing is that if you have a job that's great on paper, right. And that you hear yourself saying that mm-hmm. someday that's going to end. Yeah. Because it's not your life's calling and you're probably okay at it. I'm not telling people out there they're bad at their jobs, but you're not, you're not going to be the best in the world that you're what, what you're doing. Cause you don't give a shit about it. Yeah. And it's really hard to be great at something if you don't give a shit about it. And, and so you, ha- you should start preparing for whatever that next part of your life is 
until you feel that juice. Like mm-hmm. I wake up and I'm anxious on days because I have stuff due or I'm waiting to hear from a client or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not, I'm incredibly challenged by the day I have in front of me every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that should be what you're looking for. And if you're not doing that, chances are your boss is going to realize that at some point, or there's <laughs> going to be a downturn in the economy, like we're about to go into. Oof, yeah. And you're going to want to know what to do with all that energy that you have now that you're not in a job. So, you know, prepare yourself for that or it does very often come to meet you. Yeah. That's why you always have to find your hobbies. And, and I always say if you can turn a hobby into a money making hobby, like run with it because. Yeah. Well, the pat. I mean, I, it could I be your job. Passion. I would say passion. Like, if yeah. you can find a passion and then you can really find a way to make money off of mm-hmm. that, you know, I really, 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 really love writing, talking, and telling people things, and that's literally all I do all day, <laughs> and I get paid to do that all mm-hmm. day long, and you know, it, it begins with looking for your superpower. Looking, you know, yours is being hysterical. Um, oh say it again. So say it one more uh, time. <laughs> Anna Roisman's superpower is being hysterical. Oh my God. Thank you, you so much. Too. It's, I mean, it's also like you get up every day and you're funny on a regular basis consistently. You do these Thank videos. You. You're, you know, like it's a slog. It's I a try. fucking slog. I know. I try. And I feel, I feel bad if I don't if I don't do something. So right. I, I know I have to do it. And sometimes I'm like, driving? not it's in the mood. you, right? Yeah. That's exactly right. So yeah. that's the thing you're looking for is that the only thing you're, dis- the only person you're disappointing on a daily basis, if you don't do your work is you. And if yeah. you feel bad, that's exactly, it's like working out. I feel bad today. Why? I didn't work out. That's mm-hmm. exactly what you want. That's the, if you have a job like that, you'll be able to, and you can figure out how to monetize. It. Yeah. That's the <laughs> other part. Uh-huh. You're also really good at that. Whether it's going to work at HQ or <laughs> doing a podcast or whatever it is, working on a cruise, whatever it is, you make, you make, you pay the bills and you found a way to get paid for the thing you absolutely adore. Ellen, I, I believe given the fact that she's producing your podcast has also found a way to found a way to do what she does. But sometimes it's not going to be as easy as showing up with a, for a paycheck and benefits. Yeah, it's it's not. It's um, I got in a fight. You're gonna. This is totally off off topic. I'm in a place where I I don't take work that's not creative, whether it's writing, acting, you know, voiceover, podcast, whatever. I, all the work that I do, I I have to say I am very lucky right now that it is all in my in in a creative field. There's literally, you know, I. I have a great restaurant resume. I haven't whipped it out in 10 years and I won't, but I could. And I I refused to. My parents were like, why wouldn't you? You've worked for these huge chefs. And I was like, no. And I don't anymore. Because the day you do that, you're back in it. And and it's a slippery slope. Yeah. I could never. But I was saying the other day, I don't, there are certain things that I feel like other generations did that I don't think, I don't know when that'll ever happen. Like buying a house, like owning property or buying a car. Like there are, there are things I don't have the money for. I just don't. And I like always think back and you know, I'm like, my parents had three kids and a house by the time they were my age. Obviously they didn't go into the same field that I am in, but 
it's did they buy it, the kids with the house or did they <laughs> yeah the kids came we came with the house yeah it was a whole it was like a that's, two three three really for one fully furnished yeah um but my mom the other day we got in a fight i don't know why this is it's it sparked um in my head but she was like well you know, if if you got married, then you'd have you'd get money as you know for a down payment on a house. That's how people do it. And I was like, Is that how they do it? What? <laughs> you mean like your family would give you gifts? I said, of well, money. What I do don't know. Mean? I go, well, my birthday's next week. Can I have a I, down payment on a fucking apartment? <laughs> like, actually, what? actually, traditionally, you should tell your mother the dowry comes from the woman. Um, <laughs> the, 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 especially in an arranged marriage. The the the. Yeah, the world has changed. Uh, the thing is, is like, do do you do you need kids right now? Are you looking for kids? No, I don't want kids. Well, then, what do you need a house for? I just no, I just want a you know a bigger apartment. I just there are certain things don't that I, look I like for a bigger apartment. Or <laughs> you can't afford a bigger apartment, and that's that. So you're you're limited by. I'm you, a li- I'm limited by funds for sure, but I well, you know. You also don't have to live in New York. Right. But I want to, you know. Well, but that's a cho- that's a you thing. You know, we, I have a lifestyle that I want to maintain and make only better. You know what I mean? Right. But if you did, if you did exactly what you're doing right now, well, that's how much how much live stand up do you do a week? Um, I do a couple shows a week in I, New I do York, sh- or do you? Travel yeah, and I go into studios to shoot and stuff, so I can't really uh, like yeah, you know yeah. not be somewhere. But I'm just say you can lower your. Your, your rent and get more space. <laughs> when but Jared not, Freed came on this podcast, he convinced some guy to leave his hometown. He was like, get out of there. What do you do? You're a teacher? No, Go teach do, somewhere else. by the way, we got to keep the regular people in New York and keep the, 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 the phonies out. So <laughs> we don't want to chase you away. But, but I mean, look, the, the thing is, is you're, you, the world has changed completely in the last, everything that was going to happen to the world other than the pandemic was accelerated by the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, uh, totally. Uh, discord amongst tribes, um, uh, um, the economy, everything that's yeah. happening in the economy. Every area. All tech, all entertainment, all that kind of stuff is just fast forwarded. And so the work from home economy was going to happen, um, but it's but it's really blown up. Yeah. Um, and, and the creator economy has accelerated in addition. The difference being that um, the economy is also going to tank <laughs> in, the, in the next 18 months for a period of time. So everything is just going to get harder for a while. Yeah. But you're, you are, you have, I, I talk about this all the time, you know, the last couple of years is, is when a creator could really have a middle-class living, mm-hmm. but it's as hard a work <laughs> As digging ditches and yeah. waiting tables and teaching school. I mean, it's different kinds of work. Yeah. None of those things are invalu- uh, uh, unvaluable, but they're all hard work. They all take yeah. a tremendous amount of concentration, effort, and physical just manifestation of things. And people don't necessarily understand what that means, how hard sure. it is to make a fucking TikTok video. Yeah. Or those trailers. <laughs> you nailed those- it before, though, because I feel I feel challenged and satisfied when I, at the end of the day, when I'm like, oh, my God, look, I shot, I edited, I, I captioned, I put this up, I put the right Caption. music, I, I did this. Like, it's just so, <laughs> it's tedious, but Which is I why feel when good about take it. it take, TikTok takes it down for some fucked up, stupid fucking reason. I know. I get so I angry. know. Ellen Evans, the only other person who I know who's been like banned up multiple times. I like still, I, have. I still have red letters above my below my name. They're like every time I go on TikTok now, I'm not banned right now, but every time I go on TikTok now, they're like, watch it, Buster. <gasps> One more. 
no. Watch it, buddy. Stop posting We're all never going to get verified. All those nudes. It is. <laughs> you know, listen, you know, guys. Well, now that, you're walking it, a fine line with this cancel culture podcast because they're going to just see those words and be like, should we cancel this guy? It sounds like he's trying to say some <laughs> fucked up We've jokes. had a lot of our trailers. We've had a lot. Thank you for pivoting to the plug. We've had a lot of our trailers uh, um, banned because of the things we've said in, in, in them. So we have to be a little bit more I bet, because they're dumb. Pay. It's it's a robot I know, who's I know. so stupid. Well, it's the Chinese government after all. <laughs> they aren't really known for their good work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the project we're working on together, Ellen, you know about it. I wrote the porno when I was eight that, you know, all the chapters have been banned from TikTok. One of them, I think, exists still, but the rest of them were taken down. And that's unfortunate because there's a lot of, I'd say, dumb kids on TikTok. I was pretty smart for eight years old. <laughs> well, but I will say, I will say, like, look, uh, the, the stuff that TikTok pulls, the way that they, the way that they run their censorship uh, <laughs> devices or algorithm uh, does make me want Donald Trump back on Twitter. You know I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like if, if the cost of me not having some dumbass TikTok taken down is having Donald Trump on Twitter, he should have. He, let yeah. him have fucking Twitter. Block him if you don't want him. Right, exactly. And I just yeah. think I do feel I've I've got I've swung way back the other way on these things. It's just like err on the side of free speech. Hate speech obviously should be taken down, but like you know, it, there is a need to know. Yeah. Um, and and so I you know, and I had somebody today, some middle aged, you know, dude, uh, say to me, you know, TikTok is now my source of news. So I, I, I really uh, wouldn't I'd want I get them. a lot from it, I'd say. Yeah. If you want to follow Especially the Ukraine Especially entertainment news. <laughs> you went to entertainment news, I went to Ukraine. Okay. <laughs> you went to Ukraine war. I'm like, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I got a lot of shit for variety, you know? They, they are killing it. A lot about Kardashians on, on there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Variety's TikTok channel is, and Washington Post's TikTok channel is actually really freaking great, you know? Yeah. It's so funny, though, seeing the, the companies that are huge companies that can't do TikTok, like they're trying, you know, and you're just like, this is funny to watch you try. But well, but that is that is so like, that's the thing is like, yeah, I, t- I talk to people about their kids all the time or, or I talk to kids because I teach at NYU in Fordham. So that's two of yeah. my two different jobs of mine that are both part time. Uh, I teach at Fordham uh, in the business school. I teach grad and undergrad at NYU. I teach in Stern at the business school. I teach undergrad. And so I talk to a lot of people about their careers all the time. A big part of the course is helping you find your way in your career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things I say is like being good at TikTok is actually a really great career move right now. Yeah. First of all, you can make your own money there. You don't mm-hmm. have to have 50, 100, you don't have to have 2 million followers to make a living right. on TikTok anymore. Micro influencers are now in vogue, and then secondarily, like you get good at it, and then you get hired to do it for Crocs or Chipotle mm-hmm. or Ocean or Campbell Soup or Campbell Soup. Right? You got hired to do it for t- Campbell Soup. Guys, just check out my TikTok next week and the week after. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's oh, because this you've episode been making soup on on Instagram stories. For I know. So how they're gonna for-, for a while, for years, but they're gonna tank because I don't do them on TikTok. <laughs> They're gonna be like, the fuck is the Steve well, character doing? A, it? By the way, spend a couple of dollars and promote those fuckers because at the end of the day, you can actually you can actually boost your 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 algorithm scores by just spending a couple of dollars on there. On but TikTok, you've been making you've been making soup recipes on Instagram for how? Yes, uh, years now. Right, I, I did a series in the pit for because two years. Because you love but, yeah. soup, yes, and you're a performer, 
And it's good for you to have this kind of oeuvre, right? Because yeah, part, part of the way you make a living is doing hosting shit. Mm-hmm. And having a lot of video of yourself hosting is is really good. So it, so this is now they are paying you. It's a great example. But if you're not taking these swings at bat, those opportunities do not knock on your door. You don't get yeah. to be a paid comedian if you're not a comedian first. Correct. <laughs> and, and, and you can say the same thing for, you know, I know people who wanted to open, you know, restaurants or, you know, bake or write or mm-hmm. produce or whatever it is. Um, be a consultant, open an ad agency, whatever it is. And they're, they're, oftentimes they're just, it's, it is fear. And then suddenly an event happens and they have no choice. And mm-hmm. all the work they might have been doing on the sideline as a side hustle, they hadn't been. And now they're ill-prepared. Yeah, it's so true. You have to just try it. You have to try it, even if it's shit. You know how many TikToks I make that are shit, that t- get no views? And then, like, you talk to a friend and they're like, you're doing so, you, you have so, you're so successful. And I'm like, I feel like a loser. But it's all, you know, relative to your, your work as a whole. It's well, especially just, in this day and age, you will learn more from failure than you will for, from success. So you, you know, in the, in the practical example of TikTok, you can look at the videos that do well and you can look at the videos that do poorly and you know how to react to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd put this video up on Patreon as a plug for your Patreon, but Patreon is a great creator economy and you, there's buzzwords are used all the time, but it's a great money-making device for independent people, yeah. period. I use Substack. That's my that's my art platform right. of choice. I write at least two a day, a two a week, every week, a lot. I, was I say just two wrote a, day. a big oh piece. Uh, uh, yeah, right. I just wrote a big piece uh, this week on what to do if you're looking for if you're looking for work. But in that piece, there's a link to another one, which is how to hire yourself as your own CEO. Mm. And I honestly think Anna, you personify being CEO of your own shit as well. I think I do too, but, but I think you do as well as anybody I know, because you're a Swiss army knife. You just get it done. You pay the bills, you get, you're always working, but you don't wait for the work either. You're always producing work, which helps you beget work. The soup example. Yeah, because I couldn't, it sucks. Like, you graduate from college and you move to New York City and you're like, what am I going to fucking wait at these audition halls all the time? And like, until someone's like, you got the right look, you're the, you're the person. And then you see, you know, and then half the time you learn, oh, it's, it's who, you know, and all these, my friends who had connections are, are doing big work and I don't have parents in the industry or aunts and uncles and the fuck am I going to do? So I made dumb videos (laughs) and every time I made them some, they would, I always say they lead to something else. It's, it probably has nothing to do with what you made. Like, you know, no one's going to hire you to, to to make that fucking dumb sketch. Or they will, and congratulations. Well, that's, that's, so, so there but. you go. So a couple of years ago, I was starting my consultancy up, and um, I was also teaching at Fordham for the first time, and I made this big map of the media universe for mm-hmm. my class, and then Deadline published it. And suddenly, people were commissioning maps yeah. from me. That's or cool. were calling me about the map and saying, you know, can you come in and talk to us about it? And that is how really what, how I launched the, the current state of my business was accidentally with a complicated piece of art that I made. And now I get to make those all, I really dig making them. That's They're cool. really hard, but, you know, and I'm not a, I'm not a trained graphic designer, nor am I an, a fine artist, but it, it, it is a really, you know, as a, as a reformed art director, 
which mm-hmm. is how I typically have expressed myself in graphic design is working with a designer. I, you know, I have a thing that I do, but to your point, putting work out there, putting, you know, and, and in this case, whether you're, you know, a milliner, a comic or, or anybody who's looking to grow a business or grow or find a job or network, putting content out in the world on your LinkedIn feed, if you're in the business world or on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, right. it does draw in interest. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's wild. I worked on a, a film the other week and I, I was so grateful to do it, but I didn't realize like one of the producers was like, he came up to me randomly halfway through shooting and he's like, I played HQ every night. Like I'm a huge, my family plays all the time. And I was like, I was like, really? Like, that's how I got this. I was like, I did audition, but (laughs) is that how I got the job? Like, and he was like, no, but I was just so excited. And I told the director, oh my God, I know her. And I was like, that's cool. I I did no game. It was, had nothing to do with the game show or host. You know what I mean? Like it was just, I don't know, but I, I try to be myself when I host. So I was like, oh, wow, cool. They, that was, that felt good. Even though it was so, you know, two opposite ends of like, the spectrum of like working of what I do. I was like, wow, nice. Yeah. And, 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 and it was constant movement, constant work, constant productivity. First of all, it creates a, a a momentum for you. Um, and that's, you know, so when you're looking for a job, the first thing I I tell people to do is make a list of places that you want to work. Start there, then get on LinkedIn and hunt for people, you know, at these companies. They're like, well, I don't know anybody at these companies. I'm like, I don't know. That's a big company. I guarantee you know somebody at that company. Right. Or like someone who did work there who could pass your name on to someone. Yeah. And, and LinkedIn does a great job of being does like. does a great job. If you use the filters. You went to college with this person. Even if, even if it's that kind of common, you know, and you're like, hey, you I'm an alum. Co- or you didn't go to college with them. Or you went to college with them, but you didn't know them. And you just say, I was there at the same time. Like, yeah. they're five years ahead of you. Hey, as a fellow NYU alum. You know, I was wondering if I could pick your brain for a half an hour. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the so but the, the most important part of it is, first of all, the numbers game says don't just send resumes to portals, you know, and on LinkedIn because the yeah. numbers just are against you. Really get down to a one to one marketing campaign. A one to one campaign is really where you want to be as, as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And But making a list and then doing the hunting and then making a target list and then doing the outreach and then following up and then taking that informational and then following up on that informational with the two leads that came from that, it creates a sense of momentum that, it, that makes you look better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it, it's more flattering when you have shit going on. And then it also gives you something to wake up every day and do. Yeah. Um, you know. It's a it's analogous to the comedy thing, which is you get up every day and whether anybody tells you to or not, you make content. Why? Because it's how you get work. Yeah, it is your front retail. It's your front, the retail uh, door of your establishment, and you have. It's to, also it, how I get blocked by Alec Baldwin. So right, but that's a sense you of know, pride that happens. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it could be it could be that you do Hilaria better than Hilaria does. Like you do Hilaria's I, fake Spanish <laughs> accent better than Hilaria does her Spanish accent. At this point, I don't even think she's the same person. I think I've just made a a character. You know what I mean? Like, that is her name, but 
I don't even think they're they relate anymore. I think I'm my own person. No, she's her. It's like uh, when uh, Billy Crystal used to play Fernando Lamas. Like he wasn't doing Fernando Lamas. He right. was doing a bizarro world version. Yeah. And and even when Baldwin was doing Trump, did he mm-hmm. sound like Trump? No. Mm-mm. Or like Lord on South Park. Just you know? don't shoot anybody. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh my God. Um, but that's, but that's, so that's, you know, your HQ example is exactly why I, I, you know, so I, I have this small company that, that I, we're producing a podcast now, a scripted podcast with a bunch of really cool people. Um, we're produced, we just, uh, actually were nominated for, uh, a Hollywood Critics Association Award for Best Short Form Scripted Series. Awesome. For a show called Kit Cooper's Bar we did for AMC. Um, and uh, we've got a bunch of other projects out there. But my, my, my team, my group of people who work with me came to me and said, we really want to do something funny and make comedy, even though it may not make us any money. And we want to, you know, we really want to try to, to, to do some fun things. It was one of the reasons why we're, we're going to try to do, you know, Kidlet as a podcast and, Hell yeah. and, and a Twitch. Um, but it was at that point I went to Jamie, who is my daughter, mm-hmm. who is a uh, a producer, a comic, a comedy writer, an actress, studied at Tisch, um, but, you know, goes on auditions like everybody else. And while her dad is in the business, it's not like I can put her in the next movie I'm directing. Right. Um, so I went to her and I knew she had a bunch of really funny, talented friends. And I said, I have this fucked up idea for a podcast to talk about. It, it grew out of all these old dudes complaining about they can't tell jokes about things anymore without getting yeah. and I'm like well if you write a joke maybe we could find out but that's not a joke right so I went to Jamie and, and pitched her on this idea and she uh, brought together three other young comedy writers and it's just it of all the jobs I have right now this one pays me the least right um, <laughs> but it is it is easily the one that uh, it, it is the most fun you're having fun with it yeah. Tell them what are some of the topics that you've attacked. Uh, yeah. So the premise again is <laughs> I have to be able to tell the joke that they write. So they have to write a joke by the end of every episode mm-hmm. um, that I can tell without getting canceled. And then we look at bad examples and then we look at good examples of people okay. and we take lessons from them. And then we go, they go into a writer's room. I'm not allowed in. <laughs> and then they give me the joke and then I have to try to tell it. And I'm, I'm not a good I don't read from scripts well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not even really a very... I'm, I, I consider myself a funny person, but I don't tell jokes. I don't do okay. set up punchline. I wait for somebody to say something that makes me think of something funny, and then I say that thing. That's how my humor works. It's okay. all crowd work. <laughs> uh, which is why I like the podcast. So we've done rape. And the bad example on that uh, uh, podcast for rape was Daniel Tosh talking about getting his sister raped. Oof. And the good example. I'm like cringed inside. I'm like, is, uh, uh, is, uh, okay. but then we break down why yeah. this was fucked up. Then Daniel Glover does a terrific rape joke. Okay. A terrific rape joke. And I won't spoil it for you because I want you to listen to it. Okay. And then they go off, they learn their lessons mm-hmm. and they come back and they, and we did a rape joke. Wow. Uh, we've done pedophilia, which is one of my favorites. Pedophilia <laughs> is one of my favorites. 
Okay, cool. Uh, Thanks for being on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we just did uh, we just did an abortion episode uh, wow. uh, a week before last, and I think it, uh, I think we managed to tell an abortion joke that both uh, that uh, equally offends and both sides mm-hmm. of the equation. Um, and then the last episode of the season, I've been doing a project with Jim O'Hare from okay. uh, from uh, uh, Parks and Rec, Jerry. Mm-hmm. So this uh, the last episode, which we're editing right now and will come out uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, Jim O'Hare um, from Parks and Rec, Jerry, mm-hmm. uh, is on. And the whole episode is about fat shaming. Oh, wow. And he, J- Jerry, I'm sorry. And Jim <laughs> is, is a, as he says, a large man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tells the story about losing weight at one point and his agent coming to him and saying, what the fuck are you doing? You're the, fat, you're the fat best friend. You're the fat neighbor. Oh, my God. And he has all these great stories about, you know, body dysmorphia. But in his case, it part of being part of the, like, part of his career to a certain extent. And yeah. he's great on it. They're great on it. They, they, they wrote, they, this is how much better he was on it than I was. <laughs> they wrote four. We, we recorded all four jokes because they, they wrote, all four of them wrote really amazing jokes. And they're mm-hmm. just one funnier than the next. So oh, I'm excited for that. That's great. Really, really soon. But all of them are, I think, pretty, pretty good. I, I, I hold my own. Um, and I have most, a question about yeah. this, though. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're off air, do you and your daughter usually agree upon, you know, uh, like, I feel like my parents and I see things very differently. And as much, you know, as, as you know, liberal and cool and woke as they think they are, there are still like subjects that will come up that we will completely disagree on. Are you and your daughter usually on the same page or do you guys, you know, I mean, generally, generally speaking, we're on the same page. She is, um, I I am probably the most liberal person, you know, Yeah, (laughs) and she's like 1800 degrees more left than I am. Um, she's like seconds away from becoming an anarchist. Um, <laughs> except she likes nice shit. Because I do think it just is a dynamic that like, you know, you guys like that parents and children just will always have like, it's almost like, Oh, you mean know. the arguing thing? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, the thing is, is that, uh, well, that's part of the thing about my family is my, my nuclear family. So I have two daughters and mm-hmm. a wife. And, um, and just the one wife and, um, and, um, (laughs) we're very tight knit, very, very, very tight knit, Mm -hmm. but we argue like cats and dogs. (laughs) Probably because you're similar in terms of your personalities. Yes. Um, but we, I mean, it is well similar, but different enough. So my wife is very shy, reserved. Uh, if she sat here right now, she'd be dripping in sweat from from shame <laughs> from me being on camera right now. Uh, um, so she keeps you humble. Trying well, to I don't think she succeeds, but she tries anyway. But 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 we, I mean, so we are very like if you can't if you take a picture with her in it and then you post it on the internet, oh fuck, man, that's over. So oh, the no. fact that my daughter and I are all like she was not happy that we were recording this podcast in the first place. <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but people like it now, so she likes it. Okay. And good. and she likes it too. So, um, but the, the the key whole idea here was get a body of work, Jane. 
you know, get it all, all, uh, uh, Alana, Sarah, Mahek are the, the three other comedians. They're all very, very fucking talented. It's just, they need reps. Mm-hmm. And if you're just auditioning all the time and you're not putting content out there, how are you going to get your reps? How are you going to get, yeah. how are you going to find your voice? And if you listen to the whole first season, which will end in a couple of weeks of cancel culture, you hear an old crusty Jew talking to four artists, finding their voices over the course of the season. And it's really, I mean, they're all, that's cool. Jage is 23 of these women. Mm-hmm. So you're 24 and you're listening to four comic minds, different voices really come together as a troupe. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and it's also, a, it's as much as it is about cancel culture, it's about comedy. It's about yeah. having a conversation about the modern state of comedy where four queer and diverse women have space to say shit without <laughs> getting yelled at by Jerry Seinfeld and Bill Burr yeah. and Daniel Tosh, not to put Burr and Seinfeld in with Daniel Tosh, but you know, these are the guys complaining that you can't say anything mm-hmm. and this is their answer. I love it. I think it's really cool. And like you said before, you know, this makes sense now. You're like, no, I'm not going to just make a phone call and be like, hey, hire my kid for this project. You're I, like, I don't feel comfortable doing that, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, you're with like, you. let's just make something. You can figure it out. You can put yourself out. And it's true. She'll get work from it. You know, people will like her. She, I see her on TikTok doing it. She's very funny and likable. And I'm like, yeah, of course. All of them say are. They seem what, great. Say that, say that again. She's super funny and likable. Uh, yeah. And she she's must gonna have been go, raised well, right? She must have been raised in a wonderful house. Yeah. Um, Shapiro. Uh, I believe. Yeah. Is she correct people? She's going to correct she people. She does right? correct people. Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> seems she, like she would. <laughs> she looks like she looks so much like her mother that her face opens my wife's phone. <laughs> Serious. I love that. I, no joke. But they're, they couldn't be more different in personnel. Although they have a lot of similar traits, but they, she's much more mm-hmm. like me. Whereas Jenna looks a lot more like me mm. and has more of a conservative nature uh, uh, than my, uh, like my wife. Well, it's very cool that you did that together. I feel like that's something, you know, that you'll have forever. I, I, too. Mean, I did do it to have, to have fun. So it's yeah, very selfish. It's well. very, but it's very fun. Yeah. But it, it also looks like, wow, look at these four hip young girls. And they were like, Hey, do you have like a, a white Jewish dad? Like, let's like, <laughs> let's fuck with him. Well, <laughs> Even though you were the, like, I'll throw purpose, myself under. That is yeah. the, the purpose of every podcast is it is revenge. Like they <laughs> kick the shit out of me every episode. <laughs> but I also find myself explaining this is why Bill Burr did this joke. This is what it means. This is what, you know, right. uh, uh, Chappelle was going for here. I'm, I am, I, we have rewritten the word mansplaining to mean <laughs> that I'm explaining other men. Mm-hmm. Got it. That's, that's how it, that's how it should be. Honestly, not, I, I am available. <laughs> if you are an old man or act like one and you need <laughs> someone to translate to woke culture, woke culture for you, I am available for bar mitzvahs, Thanksgiving. Amazing. You should put that on your res, oh, put that I'm on LinkedIn, a, professional mansplainer. Media cartographer <laughs> and professional mansplainer. <laughs> Well, it's very cool. It was the most stressful day, I think, ever, Ellen, when we had my parents on this podcast. You know, they're not that old. They think they're cool. You know, they ride their motorcycles around Philadelphia. They they're very motorcycles? Hip. Yeah, my dad rides motorcycles. Um, I didn't know that. Wow. But let me just tell you, podcasts, not their thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> it turns out podcasts are a little more dangerous than motorcycles. <laughs> I guess so. Say the wrong thing um, on a podcast. You can really, you know, destroy your career. You crash in a, a motorcycle accident. You're just dead. <laughs> People remember you fondly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we weren't allowed to tell my grandmothers growing up that my dad had motorcycles. Because it's not a good idea. It's not I safe. Mean, it, yeah. He's had it a long time. I if here's the thing is they don't have seatbelts in in motorcycles because that would make them more dangerous. <laughs> oh God, yeah, because if they flip, you're stuck right, on it. Exactly, <laughs> it's the only thing that a seatbelt would make more dangerous. Yeah. Does he wear um, a helmet at least? Yeah. Oh, he has oh, okay. a whole suit and everything. Right. Yeah, everything's. Okay. Yeah. I get nervous. My mom. He buys my mom stuff for him, but she doesn't ride, so it's fine. I had a horrific, horrific uh, motorcycle accident when I was 15. Oh no! And uh, and, and you gave then, it up? Yeah, I can't. I can't even think about riding a motorcycle. <laughs> like with someone, and I hear someone else riding a motorcycle, it makes me it makes me physical uncomfortable. Ugh. I see. You know that that feeling you get in a, in your stomach when you look down over a railing, like at the top of the Empire State Building, mm-hmm. a motorcycle going by like ninety miles an hour. You feel that? The traffic. That's what I. Yikes! Like, envision. Tell them to be careful. Well, it wasn't, uh, it was, an, honestly, you gave me a nice transition, though, because I usually do this in the beginning of the podcast, but I'm curious, what was your first job that you ever had? And, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Because, you know, you say producer, people think, oh, you just need to have money to do that, but. It's funny, I, 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 I did want to be an actor, I did want to be a performer, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not talented at it. I mean, I'm, I, I can get up on stage and say things, but I can't, I'm very difficult at being someone else or reading a script. Even okay, um, but, he doesn't like the rules, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm also like terrible with memory. Like I don't, I don't, I don't memorize things well unless I like beat them into my head. Um, and so, um, so I really did want to become Brandon Tartikoff. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to run a television network. Um, I, I, I heard about Brandon Tartikoff. He was profiled around. Okay. And and I watched what he did. You know, I was the kind of kid who read about Grant Tinker and 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 uh, and Brandon Tartikoff and you know Jerry Bruckheimer and mm-hmm. understood what they did. Got it. Um, and like if they had if there had been collector baseball cards for you know moguls, TV. Robert yeah. Evans. I have a Robert Evans rookie card before he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, that is actually what I really want to do. So I did, I did get to do that. I get to Mm -hmm. get to run television networks. And then what I (laughs) realized was like running a television network, you don't actually get to produce anything. Right. It's a lot of fucking dealing with advertisers and bean counters and Mm -hmm. lawyers. And then walking in and firing 45 people. (laughs) Right. The most fun I've ever had in my life was talking with, you know, in, in my, in a job was talking other than doing cancel culture is uh, talking with Fred and Carrie about what they called Thunder Ant and what became Portlandia. You know, mm. we had a pitch meeting that lasted, I think, three hours. And they walked out of there with Portlandia and we got to, like, make it up in the room. You know, then John Chrysler got hired by Broadway Video and, and really turned it into what it was. But, you know, pretty much all of the key major decisions about that show, other than hiring John Chrysler, happened like let's put it in portland let's mm-hmm. make portland the main character this was all that. during the pitch like because yeah. you because they during did the sketches pitch. for years and stuff they came but. in they came, yeah they came in with uh thunder ant which they had made i think on their phones in portland <laughs> okay and they pitched a show called thunder ant that they wanted to make in brooklyn and i said i don't understand i don't get it <laughs> 
why okay. is it in Brooklyn? And who are these people? Let's, I love Portland. It sounds textbook TV exec right now. <laughs> and I didn't, and I had no fucking idea who Carrie Brownstein was. I didn't, I'd never, I knew who Sleater Kenny was, but I didn't know she was in Sleater Kenny. Okay. And, and, um, and so like, Fred like, had already been on SNL. So you Fred were, was a big deal. Yeah. Fred yeah. Was, he was one of the longest standing cast members. Mm-hmm. And he walked in with a uh, really great guy, Andrew uh, Singer and, and, they pitch the show and they show the videos and they're, and it's the character bookstore ladies and a couple of other characters and that all of whom made it into the show, by the way, mm-hmm. all of these characters who were on those short videos made it into the show. But I just didn't understand why it was going to be a sketch show. Like, does the world need another sketch show right now? There's so many. We already had one called Whitest Kids You Know. Mm. Does, why is it in Brooklyn? It's another show set in New York. I just don't get it. Can we talk about what you're trying to accomplish here? And then we got into it and they started talking about what they wanted to do, which was basically a New Yorker cartoon on an ongoing basis about hipsterism. And then we got into like, where did you shoot these? These are in Portland. I live in Portland, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I love Portland. It's one of my favorite cities. Mm-hmm. Why would you not put those in Portland? And then we, you know, my major contributions happened in that room. Mm-hmm. And then I gave notes down the line, got into an argument with Lauren, which I lost. And it was a lot of fun producing that show. But I got to help at least describe what the wheel that the clay went on looked like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's called Portlandia because of a conversation I had with Fred and Carrie. Like, and there was so little of that the higher up I went inside the organization. Mm. Like I had fewer and fewer of those conversations every day. Mm-hmm. And the more power I amassed and the more money I made, the unhappier I was in the things I had to do every day. And so I really just want to make content. So mm-hmm. my first job was shoveling horseshit in a horse farm Whoa. Uh, uh, called the Short Hills Farm. Uh, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Not Short Hills, New Jersey. <laughs> Not in Short Hills, New Jersey. You know, Home of a different mall, the Cherry Hill Mall. Yeah, of uh, course. And it was because I did that because I was, I was 13 and uh, a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you could handle short shit. Well, no, because you have a bar mitzvah. You're Jewish because you have a bar mitzvah when you're 13. Oh, and you but become a man. You're, 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 if you're, well, you probably remember this. You can't work when you're 13. You have to have working mm-hmm. papers, right? You can't right. really get Yeah, paid. I worked under the table. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I had to get a job that would hire a 13-year-old. And literally the only thing other than doing a paper route, which I had, um, was they let me shovel shit uh, at this <laughs> horse farm. And they didn't even, again, they barely paid me. They bought me meals. They let me ride the horses for free. Mm-hmm. But this is Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and it's a horse farm. And so all of these rich, you know, <laughs> young people who happen to be female who owned horses there would ride horses. And so I got to be the stable boy wow. uh, for a summer at a, at a very Tony uh, horseback stable. That's cool. <laughs> So it was just a summer gig. It was the, the first of many, many, many outdoor summer gigs. I, I, I found I really did enjoy working outdoors. Um, so including mowing lawns at a, at a landscaping company. Um, my favorite summer gig probably was summer camp where I was the theater yeah. director. Were you? <laughs> yeah. For a while? Like, did you do it? Three years, yeah. Nice. Where? Uh, the JCC day camp. Uh, in Medford, New Jersey, right near Cherry Hill. I love it. That's great. Did you get to pick like what shows everybody oh, yeah. got to do and everything? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I worked as a drama counselor at my camp. Did you? You and didn't get to pick the shows, though? I didn't get to pick the shows, but I got to direct. Oh, well, there you go. I got to direct, too. I, I directed but one show. <laughs> how many kids were in that show? Like 50. <laughs> right. So directing... <laughs> When you have 50 kids in a show is much more like uh, yeah. you know, traffic directing. Actually. Yeah, like keeping, like, okay. are they all on the stage? Did they make it to the scene? How old were they? Oh, my God. I had young kids. I had, like, nine-year-olds. Yeah, that's what I had, too. Huh. And they and they did... Um, I had different what? age groups. So I had to do three shows every every half summer. Okay. So, so three shows in the first half of the summer, three shows in the second half that's of the summer. That's a lot. Six shows, yeah. And with a shit ton of fucking kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had eight weeks to do this show, and it was uh, what's it called? One hundred and one Dalmatians. <laughs> Is there a stage show? One hundred and one. There, yeah, for kids, I guess. With music. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And um, I'll never Sanctioned forget the by Disney. I. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but I, I remember at auditions, one girl came in and she was like, you know, and all these girls come from like rich, you know, New York, n- suburbs of Boston, Philly, New Jersey, whatever. And she comes in, she goes, well, I've been working on my British accent with my acting coach because I really want the role of Cruella DeVille. And I believe she's British. And I was like, she's cast. Are you kidding? I, my work. <laughs> I don't have any yeah. work to do. Thank this girl you fucking- <laughs> for spoiling this child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, we did Pippin. Uh, oh, I love Pippin. One of my favorite shows of all time, and uh, cast this little boy in it who was, and I only had like so many boys because it was a, it was not a mandate. You had a, it was optional. Okay. Still a lot of kids auditioned, but way more girls than boys. And you know, this is a little earlier than than uh, a reverse role sure. casting, <laughs> especially for nine year olds. Yeah. Um. And, and he was the, you know, he was a boy and he was also adorable. He was also happened to be my mother's friend's kid. And, um, and he fell off a riser about a halfway through the show <laughs> and got a gash in his head. And, you know, we took him backstage and cleaned it up. And I'm like, listen, it's like, it's like Mick with Rocky. Listen, kid, you gotta get back in there. Oh my and God. And he did. And bawling. Here, singing, crying, singing and crying. Uh, Best actor was, you, anyone's ever it was seen. Really, He's one of the bravest things I've ever, I've ever Aww. seen. And, um, and I thought it was just really. And I like, I knew his older brother. Like, I had grown up in this town, and it was a lot. You know, I still remember that. It was it. it, it I loved that job. If I, if I could get paid what I make now, and be a summer camp counselor. Mm-hmm. That is what I would do. Theater, summer camp counselor, that is what I would do. With the rest wow. Of I love that. Outdoors. Do you know, uh, I have a friend and he's a, a, an executive at, uh, at CBS and he every summer goes back to the camp that he went to and worked at and he does like a, a, a week long like intensive. And, oh, really? And, it, and they do like sketches and it's like a Saturday Night Live. What? Well, for the week. And All so right. like people sign up. I I'll tell go. you about I it. Call, I got to call the kid where my two kids went. He, the guy actually lives around the corner. I'm going to call him. <laughs> I wanted to. I like hit up my camp. I'm like, can I come and do like two weeks of like a comedy, you know, like where intensive or something? Camp Vega. It was in Maine. It was an all girls yeah. uniform camp. And it's funny when you said that thing about the, the, you know, gender casting because all my roles, for some reason, I, I guess all I presented men, male. I only got cast as the man. And 
so I, I had those roles on my resume when I was like looking at colleges and stuff. And they're like, I'm sorry, Marcellus in The Music Man and uh, <laughs> Harvey Johnson in Bye Bye Birdie. And I was like standing there like, yes, I did all of those roles. <laughs> I would say, but you're, you're, I would say you, you present as a guy's gal, don't you? Yeah. 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 So but I was sense. like, I was you're- so mad though. My final year, my final summer, I was 15 and I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the, I just wanted to be the ingenue. I wanted to be the pretty ingenue. That's all I ever wanted. I never got those roles. And, and then we were doing, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And I was like, Lucy. all right, you well, Lucy. no, uh, unfortunately I, I was not cast as Lucy, but I was cast as Snoopy. Which was a very fun role. That's two a great good, role. Good songs. I know. The best and role it, in the show. You'll love this. I was like, well, listen, um, you know, Snoopy's a dog and, you know, I don't think he needs, I don't think he needs to be a he. So I was like, I'll take care of my own costume. Nice. <laughs> and I smart. wore that like was... juicy couture white, you know, like terry cloth pants and like a tight did. crop top and my I was like my hair How old were you at this time? Uh, 15 I was like my uh-huh. pigtails will just be my ears and I'll just wear like a cute choker and I was like and they were like wow Snoopy's like hot and I was like yeah, <laughs> yeah Snoopy's hot. if you're not gonna well, cast me as the girl then I'm <laughs> Snoopy was hot he was Joe cool he was super hot I wanted to be Snoopy I yeah. when I was a kid I wanted to be Snoopy. Well, I was like, if I'm not Lucy, I better get Sally. I love that song. And they were like, no, oh, that is a good song. That is a good song. Uh, I know. Did and you my see friend... Christian Chenoweth do that? No, I mean, oh, I've listened God. to it, but I've seen clips. So but yeah, because I remember we watched it all when like we were doing the show. But my writing partner now, who was not my friend at camp, she was my mortal enemy, got Lucy. And she was a year wow. younger. And I was like, fuck this girl who Bitch. got Lucy. And now she's been my writing partner for 10 years, which is I mean, we always I mean, talk about that. Talk we, about it, though. Yeah. She was also Rosie and Bye Bye Birdie. I was fucking Harvey Johnson, not even a lead. I was just a you know, a loser. There was a lot of, uh, you know, I have a lot of resentment. I'm not much of a performer. Um, I did perform in high school. I was the lead in Bye Bye and um, uh, Barefoot in the Park. Mm. Notably no singing. Wow. Okay. Uh, I was Lewis in Pippin. Notably no singing. I was leading Uh, player understudy. Understudy. (laughs) I went on. It's funny how the woman became, that became a woman's part, right? As this was in high school for me. It was a while ago. Our our leading player was a woman as well. We had, we actually had dual castings with a man Mm. and a woman. Um, Yeah. I understudied a man. But uh, (laughs) I I, I have had a lead in exactly one musical and it's the only musical that I've taught myself how to sing exactly on key because it's the only thing I can sing exactly on key. I can sing other songs, songs on key, but no one part. Okay. Uh, It is a little shop of horrors. Seymour, yeah. Are you were you a yeah. Seymour? Yeah, I was I a Seymour, that. and I got and I got the part over my roommate and my best friend, and he wow. was, he got the dentist, which was the appropriate role for him, and <laughs> he was great in it. And I had directed him in a bunch of different shows uh, up until that point, but this is the first thing I auditioned for, and I got the lead. There was much a lot of controversy around this too. I won't get into it, but <laughs> we can do some extra content for Patreon about <laughs> the massive. Like we had meetings about the controversy. Whoa. Uh, but I went on and and I, you know, it's a hard, that's a very hard uh, part to sing. Uh, yeah. If you're not a natural tenor, which I am not. Um, but I was very proud of that. I've never done that show and I love that show so much. And Great I always wanted to. I always Great wanted to do Audrey. I know. Well, I sang the song a lot. I sang it. I think I even sang it for my audition for like Guys and Dolls or something. Because I was like, oh, yeah. you know. 
It's a great, it's a great um, um, uh, song for that part, which is not in that show. I still think my best role ever. I got sophomore year of college. I got to play Roxy Hart, which was uh, a yeah. which was a, a a huge feat to beat out the seniors to play that role. And I was like, oh man, where'd you go to school? BU. Oh yeah. Um, so that was a that big was, program. Well, it wasn't through the acting program. It was like yeah. it, it, they didn't do musicals. They're right, straight. It was a big school, though. Yeah, big big school. Yeah. So I it got was to fun. work. I got to work on Broadway on that show with Anne Ranking playing. Oh my god! Broadway. Yeah, <sighs> that's the coolest. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and I know then, we have to end soon, but another... I want to hear about how you got into the theater. How you got into like, at least to become a Tony voter. How you got? It, was it through because of your company? So, so uh, I moved to the city uh, when I, uh, in 1990, and I didn't have a place to live. And my roommate from college, Adam Siegel, who is now the either the general manager or the managing director of Lincoln Center Theater. Whoa! Yeah, and I already uh, goes by Siegel though. So good job. <laughs> no, he's from he's from Framingham, Massachusetts. So it's definitely a Siegel. <laughs> and uh, and. Um, he was living in uh, in New York, but going as an intern. So I took over his apartment, but he was interning at the Cameron McIntosh's organization, who oh, produced wow. Cats and mm-hmm. Fizz and Phantom. And uh, he got me interviews there and a whole bunch of different other places. Um, I, I beat on doors and beat on doors and got nothing. I was supposed to start uh, waiting tables at La Cité. Okay. And then one resume that I handed in somewhere called me a, a nonprofit uh, uh, dance company, Modern Dance. Wow. And <laughs> while I was working there, I did theater downtown. You're like, this at- is not Les Mis. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. Although, again, me and a bunch of uh, uh, women uh, in, a, in a gym for uh, <laughs> a period of time. Um, but the, 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 it was a fascinating experience. I learned a lot about nonprofit arts. Um, I, I learned about a lot about downtown theater. And then I just networked my way to work for the producers of, they went on to produce the producers, but at the time they're producing Penn and Teller on Broadway. Cool. Um, and I just worked my way up mostly through marketing mm-hmm. until I became the marketing, uh, head of marketing at the New York Shakespeare Festival and the public theater. Um, we did Shakespeare in the Park. We did the public theater, and I was part of rebranding that whole theater into the brand. Paula Scher did all the design, um, but we took over the city. I mean, we took over yeah. the water towers, the sidewalks, like everything with bringing the noise, bringing the funk, and the Tempest on Broadway with Patrick Stewart. Oh, my you know, God. When, when you get handed at, at, at 26, when you get handed a job, and George C. Wolf, who had just won the Tony Award for Angels in America, yeah. is now running the public theater, says, here's a certain amount of money to go market Shakespeare in the Park to rebrand it to rebrand Shakespeare in the Park with Captain Jean-Luc Picard as, as, as Prospero in The Tempest mm-hmm. in the park. Yeah. Which we plan to move to Broadway, by the way. So there's real money behind this. We just, I mean, it was just incredible. That's so the cool. Greatest expression of, the, of uh, like, and I had complete freedom too. Mm-hmm. And we just turned it into a monster hit. I, I wrote a campaign and Paula designed a campaign that summer called Free Will. <laughs> free choice, free yeah. Shakespeare in the park, everything. And um, we really, we did, it was, it was based on a survey we did where most people thought that the city sponsored Shakespeare in the park, not an organization. So we rebranded it. It was a lot of fun and it, it took off from there. And, and then 
after a couple of years of that, after opening that on Broadway and bringing the noise, bringing the funk on Broadway, people started calling me and offering me jobs that weren't at nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of going to work for any of them, we, a couple of friends and I opened an agency that worked for all of them at once. Yeah. And then we launched Chicago Lion King. We worked on Beauty and the Beast. We worked on Greece with Rosie O'Donnell. We worked on Freak with John Leguizamo. So um, cool. A lot of really uh, amazing uh, uh, Horton Foot play, like, you know, really great stuff. And before that, I got to work on a, a bunch of stuff too. Then I went to work in television. I sold my agency and went to work uh, at Core TV of all places. Many, many years later, I got into talks with the organization that runs the, Amer- the Tony Awards called the American Theater Wing. And they were talking about they wanted to get into digital media and learn more about television. And they offered me a chance to join the board. And it came with a, an opportunity to be a Tony voter. That's so cool. I know he gets to, you get to go to every show, right? Well, you have to go. I mean, there's a difference between. So I do get to go to every show um, <laughs> and great seats to every show. Yeah. Um, but then there are times where you have to go to every show because it, there's a difference between get and have. Sure. So if you don't go to all the shows, you don't get to vote in, in the categories if they get nominated. And if you do that enough, they ask you to stop voting. And this spring, you can't I, miss I, a single one. Not if you want to vote in the category. So, so if 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 uh, if an actor is in a show and they're an understudy and they're out that night and you watch it and you don't see them perform, you're supposed to not vote in that category if Whoa. he gets nominated or she, or she if it's an actor. Mm. And um, and uh, and so and that set doesn't like. So if you miss a thing. Um, and then this spring, because of COVID and the state of the world, I think, I don't know, like 30 shows opened from the middle of April through the middle of June. Wow. Yeah. Think about that for a second. That's a lot. Every night you were going. And there was a point where every night of the week and every matinee and, you know, not to badmouth some of these shows, but some of them are four or five hours long. Yeah. Hangman is three, four hours long. Uh, Layman Trilogy was four hours long. Great shows. Both of yeah. them amazing shows, but four hours long. Yeah, it's your whole day. Um, the first Harry went for at first when they did the Harry Potter show, it was two shows. You had to see yeah. two different shows, seven hours or six hours. Same with Angels. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Angels, which was just recently on with Andrew Garfield. Um, I saw that. Yeah. So, you know, that was that, that's a commitment. And then there are plays that long that aren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And but then we there won't are people say. singing in musicals who can't sing. Should not. Someone in their family should have come to them and said, please don't do this. <laughs> but you have to sit through it. Yeah. How was Little Shop, though? Is it a good one? Yeah. Little Shop's not on Broadway right now. Um, but the, this it was current, off Broadway. This cur- uh, yeah. This current production of Little Shop, you should have seen it with uh, Jonathan, uh, what's his name? Groff. Groff. Yeah. Um, from Mindhunter. Mindhunter as Seymour is a really nice twist. <laughs> um, um, but it's still a very good production. I don't know who's in it right now. It's at the West Side Theater. It's a, yeah. that, that's a, just a great, that's the size theater that show should be seen in. Like yeah. that show shouldn't be on Broadway unless it's at the Orpheum. I'm sorry, at the uh, Helen Hayes. Um, it, because it's just, it needs an intimate setting. It has to feel I love like that you know which show goes in which theater too. Like that's how, how many years have you been a Tony voter? I've only been a Tony voter, I think, about five years, but I've oh, worked okay. in theater since, you know, 1992. 
Mm-hmm. So I know, I think I know the seat count of every Broadway house. Damn. Uh, or close, within 50 seats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know what shows have been in, like, I remember when Les Mis was in the Imperial. It has been in the Imperial for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I remember what show premiered at the, uh, at the Winter Garden, which is now where, you know, I walk into the Winter Garden with to see Hugh Jackman in Music Man, and all I can think of, Cats was here for 20-some-odd years. Yeah, I think uh, of Mamma Mia, but yeah. Yeah, and Mamma Mia was there for a decade. So that's exactly right. There's, there's a Broadway house now called The Palace, which is where um, Will Rogers Follies was, Beauty and the Beast opened there. Mm-hmm. And it's been closed for three years because they're literally raising it 600 feet in the air. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. They're building a whole new theater inside this, this, this landmark shell yeah. and, and redoing the whole thing. I, I was part, I wasn't, I mean, I had nothing to do with it, but I got to be a part of the Disney Broadway opening for Lion King. And I got to go inside the new Amsterdam when it was a disaster. This is a night oh, wow. theater that was built in 1920. Yeah. And that they completely renovated for $42 million. I get to walk, I got to walk in it beforehand and then see, I get to fly them in. They flew me from vacation in Long, on Long Island to Minneapolis to see the first ever public performance of, of Lion, Lion King. King. That's so you, cool. Have you seen the Lion King? I was eight, but yes. <laughs> but think about how mind blowing it was for you because yeah. it was an unbelievably original piece of theater. So still been, is. Yeah, there's nothing it is. like it. Nothing My boyfriend's like never it. seen it, and we try the lottery all the time, and we've never gone. That's it. how I feel about Harry Potter. By the way, the Harry Potter show is that kind of miraculous. Really? Um, but imagine being in the first public audience to to to, to see it. Imagine being on stage with. Julie Taymor in the New Amsterdam as she's demoing the masks for the first time for press and people. So cool. I've been really, really fucking blessed in my career to be just at the right place at the right time to see unbelievable things that it's just people, you know, how much money you make and what your title is comes in so much third, fifth, 12th place to the things you get to do and the people you get to do them with. Yeah, those are the things you should be focusing on. Not how much money. The money will take care of itself if you find something that you absolutely adore doing. Wow, he really, you really turned that around to, to close out this. Episode. That was beautiful. I was like, this is a seamless ending. It's true. You've given us such good advice, and I, I do feel like, especially after the last two years, hopefully people can see that life is precious and short, and you right. have to find the things that f- give you joy. And regardless of what kind of money they make you, like have those things and maybe they will make you a ton of money who knows you gotta try yeah. it yeah um well you're a dream guest thank you for being here oh, thank thanks you for very doing much. this i uh, i you made me happy asking me so thank you oh so i'm so glad and i can't wait for people to hear our, our project together you know we're gonna turn that that dumb fucking story i wrote when i was eight into everybody's dumb story they wrote when they were eight so <laughs> we'll see uh, everybody 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 is the funky dick baby. Everybody has one inside. <laughs> that came out wrong. Cancel me now. Um, Everyone has, in- has one inside. I think you need to reverse, you know, next season of your podcast. I think you should try and get those girls canceled, you know? I, get- I'm trying. I'm Revenge trying season. Like if, if you can, listen. I mean, it, 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 Jamie, who's my daughter, is very funny and I adore her. And, she's, and she really is kind of like the the the... The, the keeps the trains running portion of the, the of the show but the other three comedians on it are incredibly funny like really funny um heck elena sarah just week after week and if you're looking for you know a nice 
young, funny comic to follow before everybody jumps on board. There's four of them on that podcast. That's amazing. Where can they find it? Is it everywhere? Literally everywhere you get your podcasts, uh, 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 Spotify, Amazon, uh, uh, Apple, obviously, but also YouTube. And if you want to watch it on YouTube, there's you know, Jesse who edits it for us, puts a lot of funny visual jokes in it as well. So it's a lot of fun to watch. Cool. I love it. Um, and where can people find you and connect with you? Uh, I'm Eshap on, uh, on the Twitter. Um, I don't have Instagram because I hate Mark Zuckerberg. Um, I have TikTok, uh, TikTok. I'm on the TikTok, uh, eShap TV at eShap TV on the TikTok, and I'm on LinkedIn, which is uh, where I do actually write pretty much every day of the week. And then on Substack, I have a, pod, uh, a, a newsletter called Warren uh, Media Warren Peace. All those things. <laughs> cool. Or you can enroll at NYU or Fordham and check out his class. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. That was great. I want to, you know, Evan inspired me to have all professionals on the show. <laughs> yeah, we need we have more professionals. It was well, just had really silly comedians, more professionals. Like, also, I'm like, he's had so many different jobs in so many different areas, all in creative fields, you know, I guess aside from like mm-hmm. the shit you know horse stables but <laughs> the shit yeah the yeah, literal like, you know, shit the literal shit yeah but um but it's so interesting to see like you know what you take from each job it was like really inspiring i'm like wow he learned he doesn't want to work for a company like this and hearing him say like it didn't matter the money didn't matter i was unhappy or i was happy you know like i'm like it's something we don't like i always think no bigger money, I'm going to be, I'm going to be happier. (laughs) Bigger money, more trips to Italy. That's what it's all about. I'm trying to go back (laughs) next summer. I keep saying it. Like I keep manifesting it out loud. I keep saying, Jared, I can't wait to go back to Italy next summer. Remember when we were in Italy? That was so fun. Let's do it again. (laughs) Ah, it was so fun. But now everyone else is in Italy and I'm like, what the fuck? Why is everyone else going to Italy? Italy is hot right now. It's hot. It's like the summer. I want to go every summer. I want to make it like, you know, my Hamptons. <laughs> I'm dreaming big, Alan. Okay. It's going to, I love how we're like yeah. talking about like, you know, night, good advice on like finding a job. And now I'm like, no, I want to go to Italy. <laughs> but actually <laughs> take but actually, that bullshit job for job. <laughs> your trip to Italy. <laughs> no, he's established. He has, you know, when you get to a per- certain point in your career, I feel like it's, it's a blessing to be able to know what you can say yes to and no to and what you want to do. Like that's where Mm -hmm. I think the goal is for everyone. I think you should be at a place where you get to do what you want to do for work and you don't, you're not feeling forced into work. Um, Yeah. And obviously he's a very hard worker and he's like worked his way up the ranks and like totally that paid off for sure. And now he's going to get canceled fucking publicly from his daughter. And now and it's friend. all downhill. I mean, wow. Yeah. <laughs> now he's just self-sabotaging. So that's a great plan. <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny. I could get my dad canceled just by, I could just video record. I could just audio record Let's our conversation. We should all get our dads canceled. It's bad. Our, it's our really more dads. Oh for my sure. God. It's so bad. So how's work been for you? Work's work. It's nothing wow. special. You okay. Know? Um, <laughs> I I feel like I maybe talked about this on the last podcast, but I was yeah. You were doing you were working a on a short film. film. Yeah. How'd it go? 
Um, it went well. It was like super stressful, and the league, the week leading up to it, like I kind of wanted to die, but it went well, and um, I'm excited to see it. I haven't seen an edit yet. So, so. it's in po- You're not working on post. You just did the. You just worked I'm on the actual not, shoot. I want to see an edit and maybe like make some notes or something. But other than that, like, I'm I'm coasting, baby. There you go. There you go. Do you have a rap party? Not yet. We got to have a rap party. We got to have a screening. <laughs> you can come, of course. Please. Great. I can't wait. How long will the film be, you think? Um, Probably like 20 minutes, maybe a little bit shorter. Nice. Can you give yeah. me a log line? Do we get... Do we get any spoilers or like? Um, actually, it's like really relevant to this podcast because it's called the short film's called pod. Uh, it's called podcast. <laughs> Is it? No. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> what a cool name for a film? I like bought it. <laughs> the short film is called Full Time, and it's basically about like giving up all of your dreams for like a staple income. Um, okay, but like very, in a, ti- very in, timely for this yeah, fucking very, episode, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it all ties in together. Everything comes back to the unemployment podcast. But um, yeah, it's a little bit more like artistic than what I've just said. But like, yeah, that's the basic idea. That's interesting. I have a question for you now. Tomorrow, you are offered a full time job with amazing benefits, unlimited vacation you know, first class flights all over, but it is in like, I don't know, you're going to be selling like, uh, I'm, not, I'm like, what's something that's not what Ellen does? Like, you're going to be selling like medical equipment. Okay. Or you can be a producer and, you know, continue doing what you're doing and work your way into bigger projects. Um, here's the thing. I think, and maybe this is advice for people too, is like job hopping is a good thing. Like if you love the work that you're doing, that's great. But if you're offered a job that pays more, like I feel like you should consider that no matter what it is, because like, let's be honest, nobody really has like works at the same company for 50 years anymore so if you are given a better opportunity to make more money like might as well consider it you take take it it. you take it i would probably take it and then with my knowledge of being a producer i would do like producing on the side or um just work this like you know get a bunch of cash from this this dumb job selling uh toilet plungers and then um you took it a notch Save down. I said medical equipment. She's like, toilet plungers. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, I forgot what you said I was selling. <laughs> I'm obviously a very good salesman. girl. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, get that money and then like, you know, it's never too late. So you're to- stocking up on the cash and then you're going to fucking bounce and be like, all right, I got to fucking do something now. Now I have money. Now I can produce bigger things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is going to finance my next feature film or whatever so the goal will still like you're not gonna sell out as they say right you're gonna still the goal will be to get out at some point (laughs) for sure um what about you what would you do i mean i think i've already made that decision where no i'd rather be poor and make tiktok videos (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah i i do 
I don't know. For some reason, I I still have. I don't know. I mean, of course, I have to. I have to have faith in myself. But I do believe that I am destined to make bigger money in the field that I am in. And so I don't know what day it'll happen or when it'll happen. But I do trust that the universe sees that for me. So I will make that happen. Um, I wish sure. to. Here's the thing. I wish my brain didn't want it so bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wish my brain was like, oh my God, this could be an amazing gig. You should totally take that full-time job selling medical equipment and make a billion dollars and have a really nice house and a nice car and travel more and all this shit. Like, I, I wish I had a brain that, that wanted that, but I don't. And I just know that. So... Yeah, I think a lot of people convince themselves. You have to know yourself. You convince yourself, yeah, of course I want to do that. <laughs> Look at how much money it pays. And yes, that is a factor. But I do know that I... You'd be I, miserable. I'd be miserable. Yeah. I mean, maybe not, you know? Maybe it, it, call me in Italy and I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, but... <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know how uh, my new job goes. But it's like, uh, I think it's like the rest... Yeah, right? It's like the restaurant thing, though. I know I could because I have the experience and I have – I mean, maybe not now anymore, honestly. I say this and I'm like, I haven't worked in – all the restaurants I worked in have fucking closed – half of them have closed um, because I'm so old and it's been 10 years. But I feel like um, there was a reason I kept that resume uh, away. I never, ever, ever took it out. I was like, nope. That's a chapter I've closed. It's not a bad place to work. It's an amazing job, and people make tons of money working in restaurants, and I think everyone should work in a restaurant. You know I say that all the time because I'm like, at least in the service industry, because you will be a better human being and soul, have a better, have a nicer soul for doing it. But I I couldn't go – I couldn't do it anymore. Maybe because yeah. it was too comfortable. And I no. was like, it's not challenging, and it's but it's taking my time away from what I need to be doing. I've definitely had moments like that too, where people are like, so you know how when you like become familiar with working with some someone, they'll ask you to do something that you did like 10 years ago, mm -hmm. even though like your whole career has changed. And I don't know, they just think you will still do like the same sort of work that you did with them yeah. 10 years ago for some reason. Like that happens to me all the time. Like people will reach out to me and be like, hey, um, I'm looking for someone to like prop style something. Like, can you do this? And I'm like, I have no, I haven't prop styled anything in like literally like eight years. Like, yeah. what? I don't know why you're asking me to do this. But well, yeah, stand your ground, know your worth, know what you want to do, what you're good at, and you know, then you'll teach people. I guess I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, this was a great episode. It's really making me think about life and what success actually means and stuff. I really. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I thought Evan was fantastic to have on. And I do hope we get to produce a project together because I really think he has, he, he's supportive and he really believes in creators and he likes to collaborate. And it's really, it's been, it's fun to work with him. He's, you know, he's no bullshit. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I enjoy it. So yeah. stay tuned, guys. That's what I got to say. Stay tuned. Um, oh, my God. We're coming up on 100 years old. Oh, so I feel old. It, feel it in my bones. So go listen to these other episodes. Thank you for supporting this podcast. And uh, we got a couple more to churn out for you soon. So I'm sorry it's been a, it's slower on putting them out, but it's been a busy time. So thank you for still being here and being a true fan. We love you. And uh, 
And get ready to call us because we're going to do that episode about uh, where I want to have everybody call in and give us their job status and what's going on in their job lives, in their professional lives. So Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Love you. Okay, bye. Goodbye, bye, bye. Right now, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who has supported our Patreon. This is your shout out right here from me. Tons of love. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, all of our videos go up there. Sometimes I just write fun things because I feel like it. And it's just a really nice way to support us at Unemployed. And, you know, so we can keep this thing going. We do it for nothing. We do it for fun. We do it for you to listen to. So definitely check out the Patreon. And right now, huge shout out to our patrons, Bill Horton, Chi of Steel, Danielle McCartney, Lori Jackson, Jeannie Logan, we got Joe Galati, Chris Arneson, Jordan Lucero, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, and Vic Terry. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much it means to us, and I appreciate you, and I see you, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs>